The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hi, welcome. We are here today to radiate peace with Jacqueline Ellis, who is a medium, a psychic animal communicator located in northern Idaho by my folks, as a matter of fact, Bonners Ferry, almost Canada. (laughs) Truly. We are truly north. (laughs) Truly, the great white north. And uh, Jacqueline's written a new book to help us deal with the loss of a beloved animal companion. And this is Loving and Losing an Animal Companion. It is so needed right now. Thank you, Jackie, for joining me today. I really have been looking forward to this. Thank you, Christy. Thank you for, for giving me this time today. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. So you've been doing this for how long? I've been a full-time intuitive for about 31 years. Um, I've been an animal communicator for probably 24 years. I got into that out of necessity. I had a bad girl. (laughs) A bad girl, so behavior issues. Yes. Oh, yes. I loved her to pieces, but she had behavioral issues. And uh, I thought, okay, you don't want to live in a household. You don't want to abide by rules. I'm going to try to find you a farm. And then that day she snapped out of it. (laughs) She said, all right, no, 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 no. I want to start over. I need to start over. All right, I want to start over. But I had basically failed my first two animal communication courses. So it wasn't until I was working with her directly because I was trying too hard, thinking too much, too mental, you know, trying to do it right. And I was in my own way. And it wasn't until I dealt with my own dog. It's like, oh, it it doesn't come from there. It comes from other places. Oh, then I could hear her loud and clear. Yes, yes. I teach animal communication. And, you know, sometimes we start with, when I teach, you know, communicating with angels and loved ones, we start with heart. But for animal communication, we open the entire body. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, truly. 
Truly. I'm glad for the com- that confirmation. So you've been doing animal communication for a long time, and surely you've met people who were dealing with the loss of a pet. Why did you decide to write the book? Why now? Um, well, certainly there's more available nowadays than there was 30 years ago when I lost my first dog. Um, but I do. I talk to people every single day who are dealing with that. Either it's coming, they're in anticipatory grief, they know it's getting near, or they're, they're still really trying to, to recover and having a really difficult time with that. And so just the little conversations week after week after week, I've really wanted something that I could say, here, you know, go go listen to this or go read this, go get that support. And there, you know, there are books out there now, but I just kept feeling like I've got I've got a, an original voice. I've got something something else to say. And um, the the piece on escort teams I just felt was really needed. Nobody dies alone. There's always someone to usher someone across. Mm-hmm. Um, so the my own grief and then working with clients every day it just really made me know that I, I there, there had to be something else. And I wanted to provide a book that had audios so that people could actually listen and have little meditation and, and healing uh, that, that could happen. So it makes it more holistic and more multidimensional Absolutely. than just reading a book. And so the, these meditations, these kind of guided visualizations, these are from your husband, right? Um, the first uh, six are my own. And then three of them are his, yeah. Yeah, and he's a, a clinical hypnotherapist. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Yeah. No, it's excellent to have that support piece. I mean, it's not just reading a book because you feel like you're actually supported. Yes. In yes. Yeah. Well, we need so much support. Now, you mentioned something earlier that I think not pe- many people are aware of, and that this is the escort teams. Can you talk about that for a minute? Well, I mean, now we're in COVID lockdown all over the country and different parts of the world. And, you know, there's always times when we don't get to be there anyway. I mean, um, you take your animal companion to the vet for what you think is a simple procedure and something goes wrong and and you're not there. Um, If we're waiting vigil, you know, we've got an animal who's ill and they're ill for weeks or months and we're afraid to leave you know it's like I don't I'm I'm sitting right here for you I'm sitting right here for you and then we end up having to leave and we're not there to say goodbye that adds an extra complication to the grief um, when we feel guilty, um, when we were devastated because we weren't there to say goodbye, we weren't there to help them cross. So I want people to know that even if you're not there, someone is. And if you are so connected to your beloved animal that you are in each other's hearts and in each other's souls, the way that somebody who's grieving profoundly, that's that's the case. It's not just an animal. It's, it's a, a real beloved so there's, there is no real separation. Even if you weren't there, they could feel you. And there's always someone to usher them between the worlds on your behalf. There always is. No one dies alone. No one dies alone. And I think this is an important distinction because I know so many of us, we sit vigil with our loved ones and in hospice and just expecting them to pass. And then we think, okay, well, it's going to be a little while we should really go take a break. We need to have something to eat. And that's when it happens. Yeah. And that's when it happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, animals, just like humans, sometimes they want the privacy. Absolutely. You know, if they know that it's going to be devastating for us, you know, give me a pause. You 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 step outside, and then then let me let me go. Because even when we know they need to go, and we're you know we're aware as aware as we might be, it's it is excruciating, and there is some part of our humanity holding them at the same time go don't go go don't go so yeah some of them will actually choose to pass when their primary human isn't in the room right absolutely and they don't want to disappoint their human too yes so who do you feel are the escorts that come um it's usually someone that they know um might be a member of their own soul family it might be a human an animal um, might be a beloved that they knew before. It could be someone that they knew in this life. If they had a human or animal companion that passed before they did, um, I'll see those show up too. Um, the animals themselves, themselves will often describe them to me. It's like, oh, there's that really cool cat. I've been seeing that cat. You know, I think I'm going to go play with that cat. And I was like, yeah, well, who's that? You know, whether that was somebody that they knew in this life or not, you know, uh, sometimes their people know and sometimes they don't. Um, I've frequently heard uh, my uh, clients say that, oh, well, the the person you're describing sounds like my dad who died three years ago. And it's like, oh, well, he came to help your your cat escort or came to to take your dog. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and vice versa, too. I remember when my uncle was passing his, I've forgotten he had a German shepherd. (laughs) Gretchen came and she was there in the hospice room just waiting for him. I know. Yeah. And I, I see a lot of people who um, they have their animal companions and their, their animals saying, you were there for me. I'm going to start crying now. But they said, you were there for me at the end. I'll be there for you at the end. Yeah. 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 That's a very common thing. The animal will say, I'll, I'll be your escort when it's your time. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another thing that you bring up um, is the, in, in your book is the notion of soul families and how our animals play a part in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes it is, it's, sometimes it's extraordinary when, when you first meet an animal and it's like, wow, I feel like I already know you or, Hey, you know, the, the relationship is already so deep. Um, it's, it can just blow us away. It's like you make eye contact, um, I was looking for an adult dog uh, at one point in my life when I'd lost a puppy and uh, I didn't want a puppy to have to housebreak and all. I wanted a dog that was already trained and could walk on leash. And I called this woman. I said, hey, I hear you have this dog um, I'd like to rescue. And uh, she started telling me about it and just talking, describing him. And my heart was just going, oh, I can't wait to see him again. I can't wait to see him again. And it's like, I don't even know this dog. Why am I feeling this way? It's like, I got to see him. I got to see him. And finally, I, I got to see him weeks later. And it's like, ah, oh, there he is. There he is. Everything I expected. And I'd never seen that dog in this life, in this body, but I knew him. I knew him. Our eyes met and it's like, oh, yeah, we know each other. So sometimes it's just that obvious. We have that bond with animals. They mm-hmm. just, sometimes people, we put up our shields. We put up our walls. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. There is a unique vulnerability that I think we can feel with animals. Um, you know, we, we go beyond judgment and we go beyond the worry about our appearances. Do I look okay? Am I going to sound stupid? You know, I mean, we don't have that with our animals. It's like, oh, I don't look so good, but hey, they don't know or they don't care. You know, it's like, oh, that was a stupid thing to say. We don't have to worry about all that. And it, it's curious that, you know, about 99% of our exchanges with animals are positive you know um us with them and them with us we don't have all those projections of of things that we get into with humans um you know it's just it's cleaner in a way i don't know it's hard to put words to but you know what i'm talking about christy absolutely yeah they're 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 closer to source they're so much closer to source and um, they they don't have those preconceived notions. I mean, they pick mm-hmm. up on your energy. If you're afraid of them, then you know they they know that. But otherwise, you know, they're so open to us. So yeah, and you're right. They're never separate from their source. They're never separate from the divine. So we can touch that in through them. We we can touch that that connection too. If we don't have it ourselves, we can feel it in them. And that can take us kind of home to our God in our way too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now in, in the book too, you talk about five things to know. What are the five things that we should know about when a, a beloved animal passes? Well, the first one I would say is that nobody dies alone. So I'd certainly want them to know that that's, you know, that's the first, um, I've never ever heard of a of an animal that that was suffering because of euthanasia or that was upset about having that kind of intervention. Um, if they're compromised, they're ready to go and and they they're happy to have it. So it, it's uh, it's a horrible thing that we have to make that kind of decision as as humans, um, and yet it can be our final gift. You know, and something that we don't get to to offer to our human companions when they suffer for months and months or years. Um, but uh, it, it is it is a, an ultimate gift that we give in, in that release of going. Um, so um, that that permission to go when it's time to go is is critical. Um, and that we can tell that they remain connected, that the connection continues beyond the veil. Absolutely. Absolutely. That connection heart to heart and soul to soul, the ability to continue um, even dialogue um, energetically, intuitively, uh, telepathically, that that continues. Love doesn't die. Love never dies. Relationship doesn't die. and we have to get a little beyond the the trauma and drama of the loss, really, in order to feel that. Truly, when we're in the midst of it, I mean, if I'm right in the midst of the deepest grief, there's too much static in, in, in my energy field for me to really hear or feel my animal clearly. And it can be very difficult for them to get through. So I might be, you know, yelling, I'm not feeling them, I'm not feeling them, I'm not feeling them. And if I settle down enough to to open, um, I would be able to feel them. So once the intensity of the grief begins to lift out of our field, 
our ability to feel them, sense them, and hear them again can can come. Uh, so I'd want them to know that too, that um, that the relationship can continue, but boy, we're in the throes of it. Um, it's it's very difficult to to get that that connection clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Someone's talking to you the whole time. You can't listen, right? You can. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got two people talking to you at the same time. You can't listen. So we need to be quiet. Yeah. You know, and what you said about permission and euthanasia and um, giving our loved, beloved pets permission to go. Um, I had a client just yesterday said, hey, here's my dog and he's going slowly paralyzed in his back legs. When do I know? And will he know that we're not giving up on him? And I said, they, they never feel that. They mm-hmm. never, ever feel that you're no. giving up on them. They don't have the concept. No, truly. Concept. And then when I told him, I showed him that, you know, you, somebody comes around, you get a shot, and then you can get out of your body and go run and play. And he was like, I can? I'm so happy. Well, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, why would I want to stay here and drag my legs around? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sometimes we just, we project our human feelings onto our animals, don't we? Oh, often. Yeah, often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When my uh, Silky passed, um, I had given her, um, ah, lost my screen. I had given her um, a meal uh, the night before and she was throwing that up. And, and so I felt bad. I said, Oh, I shouldn't have fed you that. I shouldn't have fed you that. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have fed you that. And she was looking at me kind of confused. She said, that didn't kill me. What, what, what took my life, took my life, the food that you gave me, that didn't do it. It's like, hello, mom, reality check. You know, um, it was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. So I kept thinking, well, gee, the last meal I gave you upset your stomach. And she says, well, but I had an upset stomach. It wasn't like the meal could, killed me, you know? So it was like, she was the one who helped me to process that. I was like, oh, I wasn't thinking clearly. So they know, they know often better what's going on than we do. Oh, much yeah. better. Oh, much better. And they, I mean, and so many times they're so sick, they're having problems and everything. Really, they're disappointed that they're, I mean, there, there's, it's not really even sadness because they don't feel that, but it's that would want to please us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can't eat normally. I can't walk normally. I'm right, right. Yeah. And just like you know, humans, many of us humans don't want to be um messy. You know, we don't want to not be able to, you know, urinate or defecate off of ourselves. And we can sometimes forget. Sometimes animals are that way, too. It's like, I don't want to be sitting in my mess all day. I'm embarrassed about that. I'm uncomfortable about that. And so, you know, sometimes it's those things, too. It's like I I can no longer do those kinds of things on my own or by myself. And, and, you know, it's okay, Mom. You can, you know, you can let me let me go. Um, Yeah. And, you know, we wonder when is it time to bring a new animal into our life, you know, and that's a very, very individual decision. Um, In general, I think I would recommend people wait a few weeks, you know, give yourself time 
Um, give yourself time to just deal. And if there is an existing, a surviving animal in your household, they might really want to or need to be the only animal for a little while. They might need some extra attention uh, before we bring somebody else in. Um, and for other people, it needs to happen right away. So that's a, a very individual thing. I don't think there's any rules on that. Um, I have a, a friend uh, in Portland that just, uh, she lost her kitty uh, like 17, 18 years. And within three days, she had another cat. And at first I was like, ooh, you know, but it was like, no, it was perfect. It's absolutely perfect. But I know for me, I adopted a puppy too early one time. And it wasn't good for me and it wasn't good for him. He was following me around, you know, 24-7 on my heels, trying to bond with me. And I wasn't ready. And I was like, I'm still grieving, you know, I need some space. And so that wasn't fair to him or to me. Um, so it's uh, something you really have to be with in a very private way to, to sit into that feeling. Yeah, to process your feelings. I think that's a really good point that this new animal's, this new animal doesn't feel that loss. They want no. They're they're happy. They want to explore. They want to be. Yeah. They want to be on your. Yeah. They want to be with you and mm -hmm. be ready to truly welcome. You know, you th we think we are, but we might not truly be ready to welcome a new mm -hmm. animal to our heart. Yeah. Yeah, I might have a broken heart and want somebody to fill my broken heart, but I might not really be there to to really give a rescue animal what they need. So um, thinking about what's what their needs are, what, what's what's best for them to give them their best start to or to integrate them in, into your household and family. Um, yeah, it can take a while. And what about the animals that are left behind? Like if you've got, you know, more than one animal at home, the other ones, they suffer, too, when they lose a friend. They sure do. Yeah. They, you know, when, when someone asks me, do animals grieve? I'm thinking you haven't had that experience. Uh, Cause yeah, obviously they do. Um, when, um, when our boy Sparky passed, um, my girl Silky got really depressed. She didn't want to eat. She didn't want to play. There was nothing we could do to snap her out of that. And she knew it was coming because he'd been sick for quite a while. So it wasn't like a sudden thing. Um, but when he was really gone, she was really, really, really depressed. So um, they, they do need help. Um, I would say, please don't be too quick to get rid of the other animals' things. If there's toys or even a food bowl or something, that you know, blanket or whatever, leave that for the other animal to, to be with for a while. Um, don't be too quick to, to clean things up. Um, they need to, to have some time and space, too. Um, they might need to isolate a little bit, but I wouldn't want to isolate too long. It's like if you've got a, an animal that's normally really available and then suddenly isn't, you want to check on them and see if they, you can bring them back around. But do give them some time and some space. Um, you know, we, we can overwhelm them with our emotions. Yeah, we just are. We, we're very emotional beings, some of us more than others. And uh, the intensity of human feeling can be a lot <laughs> for an animal to bear. But if, you know, I wouldn't want to separate them from, from my experience either. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm crying. I miss them. And I know you do too. So we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that together. We'll be here together through it. Um, but Keeping them on a real consistent routine, keeping them on a schedule, doing as much of the same things that you were doing before, um, that, that helps. And just like humans, it, it's, it's a variable thing. It could take days. It could take weeks. 
could take months before you, you really notice that, you know, okay, now they're, they're coming back. And um, to some degree, the surviving animal could even, uh, what, what you and I kind of think of as channel some of the behaviors of, of the, the animal that's passed. So you might even notice that. It's like, wow, they never did that. That's what, you know, that's what Rocky always did. Why is Ruxy doing that, you know? And it's like, what? That's like, wait a minute, that's a strange behavior. You've never made that sound. So you might notice things are changing as the other animal adjusts too, so. That's an excellent point. Yeah, they, they pick up their behaviors and they start to take on some of that some of that energy. And I noticed that you, in your, in your book, you echoed something that I always talk about, and that's the kind of the animal collective soul that they come from. I call it a soul soup. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) So they could be picking up from some of this soul soup, the patterns and behaviors and the energies, uh, their doggy brother or sister. Mm -hmm. Sister. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, Desired or undesired, you know, behaviors. It's like, oh, I really miss that. I really miss that. You know, that little quirky thing that your sister did or that really, you know, strange uh, vocalization your brother did. And then they might start doing it. And it's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You know, so, yeah, it's um, I mean, they, they are they're very sensual creatures, animals and really um they can just mutate in a way. I mean, they, they can really uh, take on the vibrations of things just so, so easily. So, yeah, I like that, the soup, yeah, the collective soup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like my daughter even took on, I, I just, I joke that she is Milu reincarnated. <laughs> <laughs> but she does so many of my dogs and she never even met her oh funny thanks on but i had a very very uh vivid prophetic dream of the dog before my daughter was born wow it was pretty magical so um four months to the day that she was born and um so it's interesting. I just kind of joke that she she talks her head the same way. She looks back at me the same way. She stays forward of me just the same. It's it's uncanny. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. amazing. You know, I remember I used to watch uh, Caesar Milan years ago, and uh, we were having you know issues with uh, one of our dogs, and he was uh, frequently saying, "You don't always get the dog you want; you get the dog you need." You know, and it's like I don't like that. <laughs> But it's like, oh, you know, you see, you know, this this one's troubling me. I'm constantly, you know, having having issues come up, and it's like, all right, it gives me a chance to look at what what's going on with me, what's what's happening here. Um, so yeah, it's uh, we they are here for us. They change us. Our 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 humanity changes. It's it's an opportunity to grow spiritually. I mean, it's uh, it is a very deep relationship. Again, as we were saying earlier, in so many ways more intimate than we are sometimes with humans. Uh, we can be more vulnerable. We can just you know they we let it all hang out, and we can't lie to our animal companions. 
I, mean, I can fake something with a human, but you can't fake nothing with your animal companion. They know, you know, yeah, I'm fine. They know bullshit, you know. Um, they, they sense something, you know, physically, emotionally. They, they can tell when something's going on psychologically. Of course, our smell changes to them, you know, moment by moment. So they, they're really on us and track us with what's going on. So that's an intense kind of intimacy. Uh, and our lives with them and walking through the process of, of losing them in our physical world, it, it's its all part of the spiritual the, the rhythm of everything. Yeah, they change us. We're affected by it. Mm -hmm. uh, we become different as a result of their life and their death. Did you know that Radiate Wellness has a subscription-based premium content Facebook group? Think of it like the premium version of this free podcast. In this premium Facebook group, you can find great content like replays of online classes, meditations on angels, chakras, mindfulness, and more, guest speakers, mini classes, polls, plus you'll be the first to know of guests that we have scheduled for the podcast and can submit questions for them. You get all of this great content for one low monthly price, and the first month is half off. You can subscribe by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash shop. Click the subscriptions button, and you're in. Also, while I have your attention, wherever you're listening to this free podcast, if you could just do us a couple of favors, please. One is go to hit the subscribe or follow button. Then you'll be notified of all of the episodes we have coming out each week. Also, please rate and review. It sounds really simple, but it helps us to grow our audience when people are looking for great podcasts. And when we grow our audience, we can do bigger and better things and bring you even more great guests. So please do those couple of things, and that will help us grow this audience and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. So, you know, I, I interviewed uh, David. The oh shoot, I'm going to ma mangle his name, but he wrote a uh, writer who wrote a book called Walks with Sam, and it was his walks with his labradoodle, daily walks, and his meditations, his cogitations, every day. It started as a blog and turned up and turned into a book but just chronicled his own spiritual growth that he was able to take when he slowed down and walked with his dog. You know, our animals do that with us and for mm -hmm. us. You know, there's that intimacy. I think that it is so bonding for us. We're not that mm -hmm. intimate with many of the people in our lives. No, no, we're not. We're not. And yeah, the animal's ability to be just truly present. I mean, we, we, we talk about being present in the moment and just be here now and all that, but they, they are that, <laughs> they are that, and they are really present and, and their moments are, are fully rich. Um, I had a conversation with a rat recently and, and I, I admit, you know, I, I like rats, but I, I wouldn't want to have a rat because I was thinking, well, they only live like two years and you're facing grief every two years. I wouldn't want that. And I went into that conversation with him thinking that, thinking about time and how limited it was and, and how, you know, I'm not ready to, to let go of an animal after 18 years, you know, I, why would I want to, you know, 
face a loss after two. And he confronted me immediately with my ideas about time and, you know, it being short and finite and gee, how sad that would be. And he's, he was like, uh, you're talking about time. I'm talking about quality. I'm talking about quality of time and quality of life. And he fits more into those two years than most humans, you know, do in 40 or 50. So it was really profound. It's like, wow, yeah, okay. You know, I, I, I do get caught up in the time and it's about the quality. Well, and again, we, we project very human emotions and very human thoughts onto animals. It's yeah. like they're speaking Chinese and speaking Martian mm-hmm. and yet not even the same species language. No, no, yeah. no, no. So yeah, he was, you know, that rat was looking at me like, you know, you're talking about grief and, you know, sadness about something not lasting long. And and he, it was a pretty profound teaching for me. I was like, wow, yeah, it's not about the, the quality, the profound quality, the incredible ecstasy uh, and full-on absorption of, of all that was available in his moments was just incredibly rich. It's like, wow, yeah, all yeah. Melts all the sensation. And not anticipating loss or something coming. I mean, that's something that we humans are like, oh, I'm going to miss that. Or, oh, pretty soon that's not going to be there. And our animals don't do that. They, they just, they, they don't worry about what might or might not happen next. You know, they're, they're not burdened by, you know, that. And they're not looking back in reflection. Oh, I wish that hadn't happened. Oh, I wish we hadn't done that. They don't have that. You know, so it's there's a freedom uh, of, of that ability to be in the moment and that ability to jump in or out of body mm-hmm. you know again of course they do have fear and of course they do have sadness but that ability to go in and out of form is just so much easier for them well and if we could imagine we only have two years and then it would be such a natural thing to us not that animals mm-hmm. have any sense mm-hmm. of time mm-hmm. but um, just realizing that, I mean, for us, a lifespan is 80 years. And so we don't think of it as differently for the for our animals. I don't know. I'm, I'm, bo- I'm botching this idea greatly. But my, my point is, I think that they just don't have a concept of time. They don't have a concept of passing, of death, and having that looming over them. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. No. Once they know that they're human or their their animal companions are going to be fine, they're pretty quick to move on. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For us, we enter into the relationship with our animals, knowing it's going to end, mm-hmm. and they don't have that concept. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No. So, a big part of your book is self care. After we lose an animal companion, why did you include that? Um, well, we can be devastated. I mean, uh, again, this, this can be the most profound relationship for some humans. And um, especially if they've been sick for a while and, and we're trying to help them, trying to, you know, do everything we can to keep them going. Uh, we can be channeling our own essence into them, you know, day after day after day, day after day. And then when they're gone, we've lost part of ourselves even. 
And if, if we work from home, which many of us do now, and you know, some of us have always, but you know, some more now than ever, um, the house is empty. The, the void, the, the, the screaming noise of their absence can be just absolutely devastating. And everywhere you go, there they are and they're not. There they are and they're not, right? And it can make some of us feel kind of cuckoo. So we can really lose ourselves um, spiritually. We can feel disconnected from our, from our, our own source, our own spiritual uh, relationship, and we can um, have crazy thinking going on you know oh i should have done that and i shouldn't have done that oh my god it's my fault and guilt and regret and all that so psychologically we can just eat ourselves and then physically you know we we're not sleeping you know maybe we're not eating well um, we're poisoning ourselves with our toxic thinking so we can become really sick with these things and uh, loss of an animal companion almost inevitably is complicated by grief by by guilt and regret almost always so you know that that becomes um harder to 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 move through so self-care is incredibly important just so that we actually can recover and and not um not go downhill so to speak after the loss of an animal companion and also if if we want continued connection if we want to be able to see them, sense them, feel them, and have that ongoing relationship, we, we have to clean out some of the, the heaviness of, 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 our, of our feeling stuff. And we can't carry it. That gets in the way. So self-care makes it much easier for them to contact us. It makes it possible for us to actually have that feeling and, and that experience in a real conscious kind of way. Um, otherwise, it, it's not. It's all mucky and murky and we can't get it. And uh, so self-care is important for that aspect because it makes their ability to connect and to reach us um, just a whole lot easier, a whole lot easier. You even have some DIY tips mm -hmm. in your book for mm -hmm. continuing that connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you tell that? Yeah. And if, if your animal's still alive, you it's even easier to do it while they're still here, even if they're failing. Um, but if they've already passed, you can still do it. You're, you're just building an etheric, energetic bridge between the worlds, between the physical and non-physical world. The animals already know how to use it. They already know how to do that. They're real good at that. <laughs> it's us that need to learn how and, and then practice to make that happen. But once once you've got the hookup, you can start a relay. Um, and, and sometimes it'll be very physical. Sometimes it'll be very emotional. Sometimes some of you are going to hear words. Some of you are going to be visual and see things. But that continued connection, whatever that is for you, can be so tangible and so obvious. This isn't airy-fairy woo-woo. This is real. Our ability to, to connect and to stay linked and in relatedness between the worlds with our human and our animal beloveds is, is very real. Right. Sometimes we even hear their the click of their nails on the floor. Absolutely. Tags. Absolutely. Absolutely. Head. Mm -hmm. And we, with an animal, um, we're not holding them back by doing that. I mean, if, if they, if they are your beloved and there is really a soul link, 
then they're going to stay connected and they can continue to go on. They can continue to have their spiritual journey that is bigger than you and includes you at the same time. So we're not holding them back by, hey, could you come and visit with me every week? It's like, yeah, no, go ahead and do your thing. But hey, still come back and visit. Yeah, they can do that really easily. So you're not holding them or restricting them from, from going on with their journey. It still can include you and be more than you. So yeah, it's uh, this is not only possible, it's something that many of us continue to do very consciously and very regularly. And you do yeah. walk us through some things, some practices that we can do to yeah. keep our loved ones, our loved animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, one of the most important things is that animal communication is is really holistic. It's, it uses all of our bodies. It doesn't come from here. You know, uh, we get too much in the way. We, you know, yeah, I include the steps, but just going one, two, three, A, B, C, and from a mental point of view is not going to give it to you. It's, it is a whole thing. You're going to want to feel like you're an animal. If you're talking to your bird, be a bird for a minute. Get into that bird body. If you're talking to your horse, be in a horse. You got to be a horse. You can't just be up here in human head. It's mm-hmm. like you're not, you're not going to get it. If you want to have contact with your dog, you know, it's like, yeah, all right, what is a dog? You know, what, what does that feel like, look like, smell like, taste like? Got to get in, in that and then, then sense and feel it from there. Um, it's not not up here. Right. Well, it's like if you're trying to learn another language, you don't learn that language expecting it to be just like your language, but with different words. Mm-hmm. The word order is different. The the placement of the subject and the verb is different. So mm-hmm. you just got to get out of your head and embrace a different way of communicating. And what Spirit just told me is that animals communicate, literally communicate with their entire body. Yes, yes. We need to be present in our entire body and be the horse, be the dog mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. that. Oh, that's Yeah, crazy. absolutely. Animals are amazing teachers. If we let them, they will truly teach us and help us to rise above, rise out of our misperceptions and our confused paradigms and the things that we get into psychologically. There's a purity to animals. Um, they, they can just be incredible spiritual teachers and guides. Um, which brings me to a point that I was wanting to ask. I've encountered so many people who've had animals who have very challenging behaviors, who would bite and um, could be considered dangerous and that they have needed to make a decision to put them down because they were a danger mm-hmm. to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you, what would you tell a pet owner who has, is having to face this? Well, sometimes knowing what's going on doesn't necessarily change it. You know, um, we can communicate to a human or an animal, you know, this is not okay behavior. You know, this this is not acceptable. Um, uh, we need you to do this and stop doing that. Please change this, do this and not that. And 
you know, just like with humans, I'm, I'm always looking at willingness and ability. You know, if, if there's if there's no ability, but there's willingness, you know, we can learn to do things different. But if there's no willingness, <laughs> then then there there's no willingness. It's like, all right, you can't you're not going to develop new skills and new tools. You're not going to develop new ways of being if there's no willingness to do so. And some animals, just like some humans, can't. Sometimes there's something wrong in the brain. Something isn't developed. Um, you know, there might be just, you know, something in the, you know, center of the brain that's, you know, specific to, you know, what we would think of as the, the anger center or something, you know, and, and it just, it, it, it can't shift. It might actually be a biological issue. You know, it, it's uh, just because we understand it, you know, doesn't mean we can change it. Um, so, you know, with my Silky, when, when she was having such bad behavior, it wasn't uh, dangerous, but it was just really obnoxious. I mean, she was like eating pillows and destroying things and, you know, one out of every pair of shoes and, you know, take her out for a walk for two hours, come back and she'd pee right in front of you, you know? And it's like, just like, just being a bitch, you know? So, I mean, it was like, okay, well, those are behavior issues, but she was willing to change it when I said, hey, all right, I will find you a farm. You don't want to be in a house. I'll find you a farm. You can live outdoors. And she said, no, 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 no. That's not what I want. I want to be here with you. Let's start over. But I was able to give her that choice. It's like, can you? This is what I need us to do. If you can, let's do this. And if you can't, then I would find her a farm. You know, I'd find her another house. So with this, I'd say do your best to communicate Talk to somebody like Christy, talk to a good animal communicator, see if you, you can make the hookup, what is going on, why, are they just trying to, to communicate something, or are they really having something that they can't snap out of? Maybe it is a chemical imbalance, maybe it is a physiological, bio, you know, chemical thing, we don't know. Maybe there's actually a growth in the brain or something, we don't know. So try your best to communicate, find out, you know, is this, is this a... Uh, destructive behavior or this, you know, some kind of real behavioral issue or not. Some Sometimes there are animal psychologists that can help. Sometimes there are behavioralists that can help. And sometimes the animal just says, this is what it is. It's how I am. It's who I am. Deal with it. And then we have to decide, can we or can we not? If you're going to harm me or harm my other animals in the house, obviously I can't keep you. And then I have to say, well, can I rehome you? Could I place you with someone who you're not going to be able to harm? You're not going to hurt their animals if they don't have any other animals. Maybe it's somebody who's a lot higher energy level than I am and they can deal with you and I can't. You know, somebody who's stronger psychologically or physically, better able to handle a big dog that's got issues. I, I can't and I don't want to. So, you know, maybe it's just not a good fit between me and the animal. On the other hand, maybe this animal really isn't able to live with anybody. And then, okay, that's that's not a safe animal. And yeah, they may need to be put down. And that's, you know, that's sad and tragic, but we have to do what we need to do to keep ourselves safe and to keep our other animals safe. Yeah. And just like with a human, if I had a crazy person living in my house that wasn't willing to get medicated, you know, I wasn't willing to deal with their crazy, then I have to decide, am I going to continue to live with it or not? And I choose not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that might make me sound like a horrible person. Hey, this is a family member and you're telling them to move out. But, hey, I got to keep myself safe and sane. And so I got to do what I got to do to do that. 
Absolutely. I don't, I don't feel like there's any shame in this, but so many people carry that baggage with them and they just carry it in their heart and feel extremely guilty. So I'm so glad that you address the concept of guilt in your book. We do feel these things about our animal, even putting down a sick animal. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Having to make the decision of euthanasia is, is just devastating to so many people. It's like, I'm taking their life. I'm playing God. How, how can I, you know, live with that? It's like, well, it is the position we're in. You know, most of our animals just, they don't live very long. And most of the people that I know that love animals, their animals get better medical care than they do. Right. You know, I mean, we're, we're spending all this money to make sure that we give them the best food, you know, that we keep them safe from predators, we keep them safe from pests. I mean, you know, I hear people all the time say, I wanted my animal to have a natural death. We don't allow that. I mean, you know, for most of these animals, they don't have that opportunity. We, we are pampering them. We're spoiling them. We're, we're getting their nails trimmed and we're doing their anal glands. I mean, we're doing everything that would never happen in the wild. So they don't have that, you know, chance, if we call it that, to have a natural death. No. So chances are we are going to have to intervene because these are pampered, spoiled beings that have been protected and nurtured in a way that wouldn't happen in, in the so-called wild. And would we allow our, our animals to have a natural death in excruciating pain? No, 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 no. No. Again, it is something we can do. It is it is an intervention that we're we're allowed and permitted. And it's the final gift. If if they're suffering, if they're in pain, you know, if you've had a dog that was really active, if you had a, a horse that, you know, was busy, you know, and then they're not and they're not able to and they can hardly even eat and it hurts to do just about anything, that's that's not a life. That's not a life. No, I would want someone to do that for me if I got to that. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I would too. Kindest, most compassionate thing we can do when the animal Mm -hmm. just physically is not able to pass on their own, or we just don't want to put them through that. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. My my little one of my little kitties had gotten to. He was a big Garfield cat, big fat orange cat. He got down to four pounds. Oh and I said, oh my gosh, it is time. It is time. I probably no. have done it before. Yeah, better a few days before than, you know, a day too late. Um, you know, when when it's when they're really suffering, you know, oh, gee, you know, and that can happen on, you know, uh, New Year's Eve or, you know, Sunday night. I mean, it's, it's, you know, when you can't get to a vet and it's like, oh shoot, you know, if I'd done it a couple of days earlier. So yeah, it's, uh, and, and it's, it's a very gentle process. It really is. Uh, It's, it's not not to help our animals through. I mean, I don't know that we, maybe that's me projecting a human emotion onto it, but what we can, what can we do when we are having to make that final vet visit to help our animals? Uh, Certainly. I think we've already said it. uh, The primary thing would be permission to go, just permission to go, giving, letting them know that though we don't want them to, we give them permission to go. Uh, You know, I I wish I could keep you here, but I can't. I know you need to go. You've got other things to do and I, I release you to go. That's the most important thing because they, they will struggle to stay here for us. 
and uh, they will just, you know, pretend not to have pain, and they will just continue to soldier on. And so that that permission to go, uh, that you're going to do your best to carry on, you're going to do the self-care that you need to, to stay well, um, and you're promising them that I'm, I'm going to continue and I, I will I will do what I can to, to get well. And you go ahead and go blaze the trail ahead of me and then uh, come and get me when it's my time. You know, that that really facilitates. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. And just again, the concept of taking care of yourself during that time, not rushing into getting another animal to replace and taking care of the animals that are left behind too yes yes absolutely absolutely it's it's good to wait if you can to get a a, another animal companion too because we humans inevitably even if we say we're not going to we can be disappointed well this this isn't penny that's like, no, there's no replacement, honey. You lost Penny. Penny's gone. This isn't Penny. And, and it's like, well, you know, I'm sorry to disappoint you. No, I'm not Penny. You know, I'm Harry. You know, if, if you've always had girls, get a boy. If you've always had boys, get a girl. If you've always had the same breed, maybe look at a different. Because if, if you're that kind of person who gets attached to a certain thing, and I'm one of those, I am a double Taurus for God's sake, um, I can get kind of attached. So having something that's totally different can, can throw you out of that box. It's like, oh, okay, I'm not even expecting you to be anything like that. That's a totally different thing. Um, so be aware of that too. Yeah, I do know people who've done that before, get a completely different breed. Mm-hmm. And um, just so there's nothing, li- there's not that even that expectation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I feel like we've talked about so much today. Is there anything else that you think is important to add, or something that we? I don't think so, really. Um, you mentioned uh, when we first spoke this morning that you know, and I agree. There's there's not much out there for children. Uh, for kids who are dealing with a loss of a companion animal, and and I'm not doing that. So um, anyone who's who's got little kids that that are, are having this experience, uh, I would certainly send them elsewhere. Uh, my book is is written um, for adults uh, who, who are going through this, and um, it is a, a very again very holistic, multi-dimensional thing. These relationships with our animals are that. And the process of, of getting through this journey, uh, we don't ever get over death. We don't get over the people and the animals that we've lost. So um, that's certainly not the expectation here, but that you'd have the support to go through the journey and to be able to integrate the loss in, into your, your spiritual awareness and, and into the tapestry of, of your, your life experience. So. Every loss will be different. Um, every animal's different. Every relationship is different. Um, be gentle with yourself. Uh, try not to have expectations. Try not to push yourself. I should be through it by now. It's been months. You know, what the hell's wrong with me? It just takes whatever it takes. And it is an active process. Uh, it is a lie that time heals all wounds. That's, that's not accurate. That's a lie. It takes more than that. It takes active conscious participation and getting the support you need. Oh, absolutely. 
Well, again, the title of the book is Loving and Losing an Animal Companion by Jacqueline Ellis. And Jackie, where can we find this book? It's on Amazon right now. And uh, yeah, right now it's only in a Kindle version, um, but we will have a beautiful print um, picture book available uh, next month. So it's, uh, it's right now it's only Kindle version, but it's available on Amazon. Wonderful. And your website is lovingandlosing.com. And uh, there's information there about some of your other services. And then you also have jacquelineellis.com. Oh, Jacqueline at sacreddialogues.com. Yeah. Yeah. My other business. Yeah. 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 So I'll put both of those websites in the show notes. You do so much and have so many resources out there. So I definitely want our listeners to go to your websites and check. And you have a Facebook group too. Yes. um, Pet loss heartache is um, both a a site uh, just in general for, for pet loss and all things animals. And then uh, the group, the private group is for those of us who are grieving. If you need support or if you have support to offer others that are going through the process. uh, Yeah. Join me in my private group for that. On Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jackie. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.